scripture lesson this morning is from the book of Acts, the second chapter, verses 38 through 39. And Peter said to them, Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ, for the forgiveness of your sins, and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. For the promise is for you and for your children, and for all who are far off everywhere, whom the Lord our God has called to himself. Let's pray. Father God, we thank you for the gift of the Holy Spirit, and as we enter into this series on the Holy Spirit, I pray that you would help us to understand it uh, more clearly. I pray that you would help us uh, to be filled with your Spirit, and use my words now to encourage us, and I pray this in Jesus' name, amen. My question for you this morning as we begin this series is, what makes for a good gift? Think back with me for a moment, if you will, over the last perhaps year, and think of a gift that you received, perhaps for Christmas or a birthday or a special occasion, and I'd like you to think about what made that a significant gift for you. One gift that stands out for me uh, in the last year here is a gift certificate that we received from the congregation upon our arrival here in Lake Stevens, and it was a gift certificate for Anthony's Restaurant in Everett. Our president, Brian Holt, presented us with this gift, and it was very meaningful to us. But what made it a meaningful gift? Well, first of all, it was appropriate to us specifically. It showed that the leadership knew that our family loved to go out to new restaurants and try them out. If, for instance, we had received a gift of a three-hour sailing expedition, it would have been wasted on us, because mainly um, I get violently seasick. Another thing that made this gift special was that it was unexpected. The congregation had blessed us in so many ways that we didn't expect something additional like this. And so it just showed the generosity of the congregation. And so now every time we have a meal at Anthony's or think about Anthony's, uh, that time we had with our four children eating out, uh, we'll think back to the congregation and how they've blessed us so much. As you think of a gift that was significant to you, uh, the reason that it was significant may be because of its usefulness. Or perhaps you've been uh, wishing for it for quite a long time now. Or maybe it's the fact that the gift reminds you of someone special or perhaps brings back uh, a childhood memory that you had. Whatever the reason, we all know that we have received special gifts tailored just for us and we have appreciated them. Jesus left such a gift for his disciples. And as our, in, uh, our text here in Acts indicates, the gift was not only for them, but it was also for us. Peter says, You will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit, for the promise is for you and your children, and for all who are far off, everyone whom the Lord our God calls to himself. And so you are one of those ones who are far off as a Christian who's received the gift of the Holy Spirit. Now, the gift of the Holy Spirit uh, is something that we are going to be studying over the next three weeks. And in the next 20 minutes, I want to show you why it's the greatest gift that God has ever given to us. First of all, the gift is a gift of command. One of the first things you need to look at here with me in regard to the Holy Spirit is the timing of its distribution, if you want to call it that. In John 20, verse 22, we see that Jesus appears to the disciples after his resurrection. In fact, he walks right through a wall there as the disciples are hiding in a room. 
In the account it says, Jesus said to them again, Peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, even so I am sending you. And when he had said this, he breathed on them and said to them, Receive the Holy Spirit. And so it seems here in this moment that they received the Holy Spirit at that time. But then we see another event which is celebrated at Pentecost, uh, an event where they are interacting with the Holy Spirit again in the book of Acts. It says, When the day of Pentecost arrived, they were all together in one place. And suddenly there came from heaven a sound like a mighty rushing wind, and it filled the entire house where they were sitting. And divided tongues as a fire appeared to them and rested on each one of them. And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. But notice here the wording, okay, in the two situations. In the first passage, they received the Holy Spirit. In the second one here, it says they were filled with the Holy Spirit. And so the lesson we see in this passage is that we receive the Holy Spirit when we are born again. When we come to Christ, we receive that gift. This is clear also when Peter goes out and speaks to the crowd after that filling of the Holy Spirit. He says, Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ, for the forgiveness of sins, and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. And so they're baptized into the name of Jesus for the forgiveness of sins, and then they receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. There's actually a false teaching out there that claims that these are two separate events. That you get saved and then sometime later on you get what they call baptized in the Holy Spirit where you receive the Holy Spirit. But we note here that just because you have received the Spirit doesn't mean that you are filled with the Holy Spirit. If you notice, even Peter and the disciples, after they had received the gift of the Holy Spirit, were still hiding away from the Jews. They were still scared. They had no sense of power or command. Think of it like this. Many of you have seen these older furnaces, uh, and perhaps you even have one yourself. I had in our older house a uh, hot water heater that had what was called the pilot light. Now this pilot light is a small flame that is on constantly. It's on all the time. So when your thermostat sends a signal to the furnace that the temperature in the house has dropped uh, to a certain degree, then the gas kicks on in that furnace or in that hot water heater. And the gas is then lit by the pilot light. And then the flame starts there and it heats up and the fan kicks on and it brings heat to your house. You may have the Holy Spirit living within you, the pilot light, but perhaps your Christian life isn't very hot right now. You need to be filled with the Spirit, just as those scared disciples were back at Pentecost. And as we look at the transformation of those frightened men and women, we begin to realize why the gift of the Holy Spirit is so important. In Luke 24, 49, Jesus told his disciples, Behold, I am sending you the promise of my that my Father has given upon you. But stay in the city until you are clothed with power from on high. And so we see this power then displayed after Pentecost in the life of Peter. He's sitting there timidly hiding in an upper room in one moment. 
Then the Holy Spirit comes and fills him, clothes him with power from on high. And then he heads right out into the street, right out in front of those who they're scared of the moment before. And he begins to preach things like, you crucified and killed Jesus by the hands of lawless men. In John 15, 5, Jesus said that apart from him, we could do nothing. Now notice he didn't say we could do only limited things. He didn't say that we wouldn't be able to do them very well without him. He said, without him, we can do nothing. Without God, we can do nothing. Romans 8, 9 calls the Holy Spirit the Spirit of Christ. And so this gift gives us the ability to carry out those things that are impossible in the flesh. Things like living the sanctified life. That's powered by the Holy Spirit. Or the ability to preach the good news, even when it's dangerous for us. Now remember that the degree to which we are able to do these works of God has to do with how filled we are with the Spirit. And according to Ephesians 5.18, uh, Paul states that we have something to do with this whole process of being filled with the Holy Spirit. We have a decision to make. There are certain deeds that can quench the Holy Spirit. They can diminish the power that God has given us. And in that passage in Ephesians, it says not to be filled with wine, but be, to be filled with the Holy Spirit. And so you can either be filled with wine or you can be filled with the Spirit. You can't have both. And so there are certain things in our lives that push out or quench the work of the Holy Spirit. And we are not able to be filled in those moments uh, with the Spirit and being clothed with power. God will fill you with his spirit so that you have everything you need to get the job done. But he needs space to work. He gives you those tools that you need to accomplish his purposes. Next, we see that the gift of the spirit is a gift of comfort. I think one of the most difficult aspects of my job is helping people process through the difficult seasons of their lives. And as humans we can never fully sympathize with someone's unique situation. And many of the ways that we do try to comfort them come across as being maybe a little cliche. That's why the gift of the Holy Spirit is so needed. Jesus calls him the comforter or the helper. John 14, 26 speaks of this promise. It says, But the comforter, which is the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, he shall teach you all things and bring all things to your remembrance whatsoever I have said to you. Now, the Holy Spirit helps us through these difficult times by helping us remember the promises of Jesus' word. We see that right in this previous passage. I will bring to mind all those things that I have taught you. And he also helps us as we try to communicate with the Father. We see this mystery in Romans 8.26. It says, Likewise the Spirit helps us in our weaknesses. For we do not know what to pray as we ought, but the Spirit himself intercedes for us with groanings too deep for words. Have you ever been going through something so difficult that it's hard to talk about it? 
People come up to you and ask you about what's going on, and you can't even put it into words. And maybe all you can do is go back to your bedroom and stick your head in the pillow and scream out to God and groan inwardly. In those moments, the Holy Spirit is helping you. He's helping you get through that dark hour. He's helping you grieve. And His Spirit is connecting with your spirit in that moment. Now, we have an option, don't we? We can turn to the things of the world to try to get the comfort that we need. We can turn to things like alcohol, binge TV, watching, and food to numb our temporary pain. But we will miss out entirely on the healing element of the Holy Spirit because we are turning to not the comforter, we're turning to a comfort. He comforts us and helps us by making us stronger. He's making us whole. And if you're curious as to what that comfort is that you can turn to, uh, just think about uh, something traumatic happening in your life, whether it was in the past or perhaps thinking about a future event that could happen. Uh, maybe it's a car accident where somebody gets injured, or maybe you yourself go through a health crisis, or maybe your spouse leaves you and uh, goes off with another person. Whatever it is, think about what your flesh wants to turn to in that moment when you say, forget it all, I'm just going to go do X, whatever the thing is that's your comfort that you like to turn to, whether it's food or alcohol or sex or whatever it might be. And so that's your to-go go-to comfort. I knew one lady whose comfort was hot showers. She took eight to ten hot showers a day because in that moment, in the shower, the heat and the whatever it was made her feel better for the moment. It eased her pain in that moment. And that's what happens. We are only comforted in the moment. But the Holy Spirit brings deep healing. That's why he's the comforter. He brings healing to our wounds, whereas this is only a band-aid that covers it up for, for the moment. But sometimes we like to turn to those comforts, don't we? Because they actually feel better. They feel better than praying and going you know, to church or whatever it might be. But notice, they don't really bring the healing. And you actually feel worse afterwards. The third thing we see here, and finally, is that the gift of the Holy Spirit is a gift of conviction. I still remember to this day the first time I stole something. I was probably about five years old at the time, and I knew that our family was poor. We didn't have money for extra things like candy and sodas and such. And one day I was in the local 7-Eleven, and I was looking at a candy bar, and I was wishing that I had some money so that I could buy it. But then I heard this internal voice saying to me, just take it. You won't get caught. They've got plenty of other ones. They won't miss it. And my heart started beating in that moment out of my chest. And that beating heart was the Holy Spirit telling me that it was a sin to steal something. It was the Holy Spirit telling me, Scott, that's not for you. And if I had listened to that voice and turned away, I would have walked away from that temptation. Now, I wish I could tell you that I did resist that temptation to steal at that moment, but my flesh got the better of me. And that started a long career of theft from that moment. And each time I stole something after that, my heart beat a little less fast than the previous time. My conscience was being hardened 
or seared, as the Bible calls it. And each time, the stakes would go up a little bit. From candy bars to toys, from toys to clothing, to electronics, jewelry, a car, and eventually a robbery, which abruptly ended my thieving career with a stint in prison. But you know, I thank God for the gift of the Holy Spirit because he has begun to soften my heart from that moment when I was in prison and when I turned my life over to him. He gave me that gift of the Spirit and the Spirit began to soften my heart towards his voice again. And now, 30 years later, after my prison time, it's hard for me to even fathom stealing because the Lord has softened my heart so much against that. I don't even consider it or think about it anymore. Jesus spoke about the role of the Holy Spirit uh, in John 16, 7 through 8. He said, Nevertheless, I tell you the truth. It is to your advantage that I go away, for if I do not go away, the Helper will not come to you. But if I go, I will send him to you. And when he comes, he will convict the world concerning sin and righteousness and judgment. That's what was happening in that moment when I was five years old. Uh, the Holy Spirit was convicting me of righteousness and judgment and sin. You know, I still get the whole heartbeat thing in my chest to this day. There are some times that I'm tempted to do something that the Holy Spirit does not want me to do. I get that fast-beating chest, that sick feeling in my stomach, and in that moment, I have a decision to make. Will I listen to the Holy Spirit? Or will I just ignore it and go forward and do those things? I have a choice. And I wish I could say that it was easy to do that. It was easy to decide uh, to follow the Holy Spirit. Some days it feels like it's easy. But you know what? Some days it's not so easy because our flesh is powerful. Uh, the world has a very strong draw on us. But over the long haul, if I keep on obeying, the Holy Spirit in my life, then I begin to put separation between the last time I did something and the current date, right? That's the secret. Try to go as long as you can without doing those things, and pretty soon you've got years in between the last time you did something. In conclusion today, ultimately the reason for the gift of the Holy Spirit uh, is it's a, such a wonderful thing. He offers us this life in the full. When we're walking in his power, when we're turning to him for comfort, and when we obey his warnings, life is so much fuller. We're faced with less regrets over the decisions that we have made. And you know what? The devil wants to tell us that, you know, we're going to have all our fun spoiled. That's the, the lie of the devil. Christians don't have any fun. And so we think, well, I don't want to live a boring life, but the Holy Spirit promises us that life to the full. You know, I wish I could go back to that time uh, when I was five years old, travel back in time and, 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 and meet that five-year-old little boy, Scott, in the 7-Eleven. You know, I'd probably walk up to him and I'd give him a big hug and I'd say, let's go sit down and have an ice cream cone together. And I would begin to tell him, that that temporary um, comfort that he received from st stealing that candy bar wasn't going to fix his life. It would just lead him on this self-destructive path. I would encourage him to listen to that still small voice inside of him 
that was longing to give him the strength that he needed uh, to face his life without a dad. I would comfort him with the promises of Jesus, and I would tell him to be a good boy. But I can't do that. I can't go back. And, you know, if I were honest with you, if I had the, the chance to go back and restart my life from that moment, go back to five years old and relive it, I wouldn't do it. Because what the devil meant for evil, God has turned into good. And all of those experiences in my life, all those bad decisions, all those regrets still have shaped me to become the man that I am today and the ministry that God is using. He has helped me to minister to people that still, still to this day struggle with those same issues that I did, whether it's alcoholism or anger or sexual addictions or theft. And so he's in the business of redeeming lives. He's in the business of restoring what the locust has eaten. And so I encourage you today, as you look at your future and what you'd like to see the Lord doing over the next 10, 20, 30 years, the main thing to do from day to day is to be filled with the Spirit. Don't allow those, all those other comforts uh, push out the true comfort that you can receive and the power from the Holy Spirit. And so, Father God, I pray for this, your word. I pray that you would convict our hearts and lives today as we think about this message. And I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for tuning in to this sermon series from Elam. If you are encouraged today, would you consider supporting our online ministry through a financial contribution? Personal checks can be made out to Elam Lutheran Church and sent to 11504 26th Street, Northeast, Lake Stevens, Washington, 98258. Or you can give online at elamlutheran.net. Thank you and may God bless you the rest of your day.